Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. This week, our guest is the executive director of Cam Erie, Jacob Bartko. I'm John Lyons, filmmaker, teaching artist, and director of programming for the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania. I'm Erica Berlin, the executive director of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania. I'm Mike Berlin, Erica Berlin's husband. Hi, I'm Sosi. I am owner and producer at Retro United Inc. This week, we're really happy to have Jacob Barco with us. He is the executive director of Cam Erie. Here at the Film Society, we are very familiar with Cam, uh, but we don't know much about you. It's executive <laughs> director, Jacob. So uh, we want to learn a little bit more. So Jacob, tell us, are you an Erie native? Uh, yeah, so I grew up uh, a little bit west of Erie, about 20 miles west out in East Springfield, Pennsylvania, uh -huh. um, out in the sticks, as they call it. Grew up out there, went to Northwestern High School. Um, I know John's a, a Northwestern grad as well. Go Wildcats. Go Wildcats. Um, so yeah, I grew up out there, uh, went, to, went to college at Edinburgh, um, and then I ended up uh, transferring over to what was Tri-State Business Institute, majored in marketing and business administration. So I double majored there, got those degrees, and then I interned in 2010 at what was Community Access Television at the time. Well, that was my, uh, that was my next question. So, so CAM stands for Community Access Media, correct? Correct. And how did CAM, how did Community Access Television become CAM? That's a great question. So when I started in 2010, uh, television was the biggest form of media. Everyone was watching television, digesting their their content in in you know on TV. When I took over in 2014, things were changing. You know, I knew that as you know as the director at the time, we had older equipment, you know, older TV cameras with big dollies and and these massive CCUs that I knew had to go. Um, so that is kind of when we started moving in the direction of, of more of a, of a media center. Uh, social media started becoming very popular. Online content, online video content was really starting to peak. So I, I knew that we had to upgrade our equipment. That was really kind of where I started first. So I, I approached different organizations like the Erie Community Foundation and the Erie County Gaming Revenue Authority and started applying for grants. And, and that's really what got the ball rolling, heading in that direction of a, of a community media center. We knew we wanted to transition. Um, I, I looked at a lot of other access centers across the United States and, and just kind of talked to them about what was working and what wasn't working. So let's back up a sec. So community access TV, which was referred to as cat TV lovingly, mm -hmm. Um, what did CAT TV do? I mean, transitioning to community access media, we can kind of talk about what that means to the community now, but what was so important about CAT TV? How did it serve the community? Because uh, I remember using its services long ago and, you know, who used it and, and why and what was the content used for? So, yeah, so... Community Access Television was created back in the late 90s um, when Joyce Slovakia was, was still mayor of Erie. So we were created uh, in 96. There was a, a television, a public access television board, uh, basically a team of people that just believed in free speech. That board then, you know, brought a proposal to the mayor's office, to um, city council and said, you know, the, there's a lot of 
public access TV stations starting across the country. Um, we have this great idea and this this platform to give people an opportunity to kind of voice their opinion, to give them a platform to talk about their passions, their uh, religious views, their political views, just give them a voice. So we were started in, in 1997 um, as a 501c3 organization to teach people how to create their own television programs. Um, those television programs aired on what was Channel 2 or, or Cat TV. Um, from 1997 until uh, 2018, when we transitioned to a, a different channel and a new brand. What were some of the the programs that you can recall that were really popular? Oh my gosh! Uh, so when I started uh, in 2010, um, I was I was 23 years old and. And uh, at the time, I, I there came in wide-eyed, not knowing that public access was a thing. And I was just, the first couple months I was here, I just didn't realize that there were that many people passionate about numerous various things that I had no idea existed. So, um, you know, at the time, there was a show that there were two guys just, they'd take a couch in our back alley and they would just talk politics. And they did it every week. Um, there was a show where um, there was a guy with a with a, a field camera. He would take his camcorder around to to eerie parties in the basements of people's houses, and he would also go and and follow uh, police officers around town and interview them, good and bad, shining light on different subjects. And that was, like I said, back in 2010. You know, there's a lot of sports shows that were created. There's cooking shows. There's the longest running show that we have to date um, is a show for seniors by seniors called The Amazing Grays. And they create content geared toward that senior population. Um, they are a group of 70 to almost 90-year-olds that create their own content and share it. So it's it's really an eclectic uh, sort of, of content for sure. So the content used to be created in an analog format. Yes. And that equipment now has been laid to rest. All new equipment has been purchased. So everything is recorded now in HD in Correct. digital format. And it's it's still on a channel. It can still be picked up with an antenna. Uh, actually, so we are, we were funded and created through cable revenue. So what that means is um, a cable company like Time Warner Cable or Cable Vision is what it was at the time would come into a larger city like Erie and say, we want to run our cable throughout your streets. They would come to an agreement with the city and they would give the city a portion of those cable revenues on an annual basis. So what that means is they would get, say, four to five percent of those revenues. A portion of those revenues were specifically allocated to Cat TV at the time to create our organization and operate it for you know the year. Um, what that means was, so we had a channel on cable exclusively. So we were channel two on Time Warner Cable in the city of Erie. Uh, right now, we are channel 1021 on Time Warner Cable because they've changed their channel lineup, but we are also on channel two on VelocityNet or VNet Fiber throughout Erie County. So all the equipment in the studio and do you still have field equipment as well? Yeah, so we have a brand new HD and 4K studio, uh, production studio, and then we also have HD and 4K field cameras uh, for our members and our volunteers to go out and record on location. And your editing systems? Uh, we have brand new uh, editing bays uh, that have dual 27 inch curved monitors, um, high-end PCs with uh, webcams, ring lights, uh, mics, and the full Adobe 
Creative Cloud Suite right in the editing bay. That's great. Very cool. And Thank so you. now what kind of programming is, is happening? So now we, again, are still the, you know, our mission still is, remains the same. We're here to really empower people to, to create local content. So the programming has transitioned from more of your, you know, your regular television shows um, to now podcasts like we're doing now um, or a YouTube series or social media marketing videos for a small business. There is tr still traditional television content being produced, but people are, are really taking advantage of all of the platforms instead of just exclusively TV because it gives you such a, a widespread audience that you can reach. Um, people are taking a video that they shoot and create in our studio or on location, giving us a file to share on our um, channels, whether that's cable, fiber, or online, and then also uploading it to their social media page, uploading it to YouTube, um, and then sharing it everywhere they can. So um, in terms of the actual content, it's really a lot of the same things. You know, it's very collective. We have members of all walks of life, all ethnicities, all different backgrounds, um, people that are maybe just passionate about a hobby or are a, an expert in a certain field, and they just want to share their knowledge and resources. Um, I would say that's probably the most common thing uh, that people come in and just, just are passionate and, and just really don't, don't know how to put that in video form or, or in words. And, and we really try to help people do that. In the past, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember, I feel like your membership structure was mostly uh, for individuals. Now, have you changed that now that you have a lot of organizations that are looking to use the services that, that you provide? It, do you work with organizations or are you still an um, individual membership organization? Yeah, so we, we've always been... Um, geared towards everyone. We, we really did focus in the past on individual people, but um, over the past years, we've really worked with a lot of um, the nonprofit community and now over the past two years, more of the small business community, because there are a lot of startups, there are a lot of, you know, small uh, incubator businesses that need help with, with marketing. And they're either a one or a two person show, and they really don't have that expertise in terms of A, social media marketing, or E, just, you know, or B, just video content. So yeah, our, our membership is open to students, individual members as producers, uh, nonprofit organizations, um, church groups, bingo groups, whoever wants to come in, you know, and produce, we would, we would gladly uh, welcome you with open arms. There's a green screen in your studio. And uh, I think there's a story behind that. John Lyons may want to chip in. <laughs> I want to jump in on that story as well. So, uh, well, the story, it, it, yeah, it ended up having a happy ending. I think Jacob probably for a while was wondering what the hell is going on <laughs> with this screen, guys. Yeah, a, a green screen came into the hands of uh, the Film Society via the startup incubator. We did not have anywhere to put it, and Cam Erie was really like saved us because we didn't want this thing just to be... Uh, torn down and not used, right? So thankfully, um, Jacob and uh, everyone there at CAM held on to it. But now um, you guys have cleaned it. Well, we've kind of together cleaned it all up. But yeah, tell tell everybody about this uh, 
massive green monster you got over there came in. Yeah, just a small disclaimer. This isn't one of those foldable, you know, four by eight, you know, green screens that you that you throw behind you on a Zoom call or, or something like that. This is a, I want to say it's it's 20 foot by 15 uh, green screen um, that we stored in the back of our building from, I want to say 2015, maybe till, till now it's still in our building. It is now uh, fully constructed in our studio. Um, and, uh, with the help of, of the film society, we're very thankful for, for working with you guys on that and, and, uh, helping us, you know, really clean it up. But so what we did is we tore our old stage out that we had installed in our, our main production studio. Uh, we did that with our own two hands, just me and one of my coworkers over the winter break, tore that old stage out, um, kept what was good and, uh, installed this, this brand new green screen. And it's, to be honest, guys, it's, it's really, uh, it's really taken our whole our productions to a whole new level. Uh, a lot of people are are using it on a weekly and daily basis to come in and and superimpose backdrops, superimpose video. Um, just off the top of my head, we had Asbury Woods in this past week, and they, they were shooting some some content in lieu of of their their normal classroom content because of COVID. They can't go into the classroom, um, so they're taking their curriculum. They're making video content for um, to show on Zoom calls, but they actually had a, a snow uh, snowfall background, a video playing uh, behind them. They came in, recorded some stuff on the green screen. Uh, we showed them how to superimpose it in post production, and boom, they're out in the they're out in the winter time teaching uh, teaching a course for uh, for local students. Oh, that's so awesome! It's it's so great to hear that uh, it's getting getting use. And thank you guys. You're, you're a good home for it, for sure. I wanted to say, Jake, I mean, you're, you're a young dude. All right. And, you know, for a while there, um, you know, I don't know if this was just the perception or um, the reality of it, but the future of, you know, cat TV cam Erie was really in question for a while there. And, um, you know, maybe speak to, you know, cause you really came in and I don't know how many people you have on your staff now, but you guys really turned that place around and it really is a, a big success story in Erie, what, what you're doing there. So, you know, I know you mentioned the grants, um, you know, for, for other, uh, you know, maybe fledgling and struggling organizations like uh do you have any advice or any tips like was it partnerships um did you really work to you know get on the radars of leadership in in the city um maybe talk talk about you know i don't i don't want to you know <laughs> say that, that that it was a failing business but i mean mm -hmm. you guys have really um made it modern and and relevant i think so. Yeah, so let me start. So back in 2013, those franchise fees or, or franchise agreement that I was talking about earlier with the cable um, company and the city, those were renegotiated. Uh, we had funding coming directly to us for the first um, for the first almost 15 years of our existence, and then everything changed uh, in 2013 to where the funding went directly towards the city. So we have to, you know, ask for funding every year now, as opposed to just getting those funds allocated directly towards the organization. So 2013, our revenue was cut by about 66%. Um, I took over in 2014 and said, you know, this has been my only job, you know, since I got out of, out of college. And I'm I'm committed to making it to making it work. 
Um, you know, I just believed in the organization. You know, I, I had worked here for four years become, you know, before becoming the executive director and just have was just blown away by the amount of people that were in Erie that were passionate about things, not just their own hobby, but Erie in itself. So I knew that I knew that the organization could work. I knew that we could pivot. Um, did not know how, to be honest, at the beginning, how that was going to work. Um, so I just reduced our expenses as much as I could. And I said, let's look at other ways to generate revenue. Um, so I, I, again, started with the grants, getting new, getting funding for new equipment, um, working with a lot of local leaders on really what our mission was, because I think even to this day, there are a lot of people that may not fully understand, you know, what public access or what community access is and why it's relevant, you know, to our community. Um, so a lot of education was happening in those years um, just to kind of, you know, show people what we're doing, why we're important and why the community needs us. Um, so I guess just being resilient is the biggest piece of advice that, you know, that I can give. Um, you know, if you came to me in October 2014, we it didn't it looked bleak. You know, we we weren't sure if, if 2015 was even going to happen. Um, but here we are, five years later, with with a brand new uh, facility, and and we are are increasing our our productions, increasing our membership, and and really uh, hitting the ground running every single day. So, um, but yeah, I I would say that. You know, I I just believe in your mission. You know, be passionate about what you do. Um, you know, people that come in our doors are, are why I'm here. That's my inspiration, helping those people. Um, because they come in with, with an idea or a dream, and we're really here to, to help make that happen and, and give them the tools and resources they need to make that happen. And, and at times, it may be a small dream, but other times, it may be their, you know, their livelihood, if it's their, their business, if it's, you know, something that they're working to get off the ground. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it has been a, a long journey for sure. Well, and you guys are doing a great job. I mean, I, I have to say, you know, I, I have used a bunch of your equipment now between, um, you know, the teaching residencies with area arts and culture and, um, yeah, it's great equipment for the, for these young people, these young students, future filmmakers to learn on because it's, um, it's great equipment. You know, you're giving the community a voice and it's such an important mission that you guys have. So I, I will turn it over to Mike and Sosi and Erica, see if they have any questions. So you, well, I got a question for you. Can you talk a little bit on some level? Cause I think it's one of these things that gets overlooked and it's, and I overlook it too, is the importance of having sort of a business acumen, particularly when you're talking about the creative arts and stuff like that, because it's like, we all want to go out and, you know, let our creative nerves and muscles flex and everything like that. But like, you got to know how to make sort of make a profit out of these things. And can you talk a little bit about that process and, and the merging of those two? Yeah. So I think that there is a huge misconception when someone comes to you with an idea and they're like, I want to make this happen. All right. I want to start tomorrow. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a lot more than that. I think my biggest recommendation to people is be organized, you know, not just have your thoughts up here, um, but write them down, type them out. Uh, you know, they, they have this wonderful thing called Google cloud where you can share documents with other people, uh, share your ideas, you know, get, get a foundation for that before saying, you know, I want to start this project. I want to learn how to run a camera. I want, you know, or I'm going to make this video for my business. 
but there's a lot more, you know, that goes into that. And I think that's the, that's probably the biggest misconception that we see. It takes work. It takes time. It takes resources. You know, it's, it's not just a snap of the fingers and okay, I have a finished polished video that's ready to be uploaded to my Facebook page and to my clients and sent out via email marketing tomorrow. Whereas, yeah, I, I think that people just really are that excited about something and they just completely overlook all the back end stuff. I've got a super cheesy thing that I say, particularly to students or young professionals, and I can always see their eyes like glaze over, but it's just like, you fight a majority of your battle in pre-production and that's just being organized. Absolutely. So yeah, I I, I love that you said that because it's just like, I get it. It's not the sexy thing, but it's just like before you start pulling in all the resources and all the time and all the money, it's just like Mm -hmm. you can save yourself so much of a headache by just taking pencil, pen to paper and like sort of, you know, problem solving some of the things that might come in, like come about in your production. 100%. And we've learned that, you know, as we've grown as an organization, um, as our phone is ringing off the hook and our email inboxes are blowing up with productions as a staff, uh, we've had to, you know, kind of pivot there and and create a different workflow for ourselves. Uh, You know, we we were very organized, but as, as you grow, as you get more files, as you get more assets, the file organization itself um, is huge too. So I am an organized thinker, thankfully. Uh, So I'm always thinking about that no matter what. But yeah, that's that's a huge thing that people overlook is that that back end. It's not sexy. No, you're it's, right. It's that's... it's not the sexy thing that like I hate I hate I hate doing that shit. I hate it. I hate it. But let me tell you something. Like ten out of ten times, the times like when I put the most effort into that, I'm always happy with the end product. Well, that brings up a good point. You know, when when you have someone using your facilities. Are they responsible for all the digital content they create? I mean, are they walking in with a hard drive or do you have a cloud that you allow them to store their files in? So both. Uh, We highly recommend uh, that people bring in their own storage devices. So that's SD cards. That's what used to be tapes and DVDs. Now hard drives, uh, you know, a solid state drive is great to edit off of. It has fast data transfer speeds. Uh, We're really recommending those to people. Um, We have, you know, we've worked with cloud devices here. We had our own server where we had member storage on, but being responsible for that amount of data and assets is just not something that we felt comfortable with. So we're doing less of that and recommending more that people will bring in their own hard drive. Plus, um, there's a lot of different, you know, free softwares out there if you're just doing audio editing or if you're doing something, you know, in terms of digital animation or, or photo manipulation, you can do some of that at home. So we definitely recommend something portable you can bring in, record here, or even, you know, do some post here and then take it home and do it too. So it uh, just gives you more flexibility, I would say. What kind of software do you guys use? So we primarily use the Adobe Creative Cloud. Um, so Adobe Premiere for our video editing, um, Adobe Audition for for audio, uh, Photoshop. What else? We're doing. Uh, we're just starting a class in the next couple of weeks on character animation. Uh, we're working with the Erie City Mission Urban University program, so we'll be teaching some uh, middle school students how to create their own um, cartoons and, and character animations. So that'll be coming up later this month. All right. And That's doing the same. back to I'm the familiar with those programs. Yeah, we, we thought that it was nice to have everything updated in the cloud. You know, those updates are happening uh, instantaneously. We turn the automatic updates on, which is 
both good and bad at times, but um, you know, that way it's, it's less of a headache for us uh, in terms of the software. Um, but that's going back to the organization thing. That's something we're instilling in all of our youth classes now. We're storyboarding at the beginning. We're making sure that all of these grandiose ideas are written down and, and we have some sort of organization to them. So, but yeah, that's something we really are, are trying to focus on over the next year is, uh, is bringing in more of that younger demographic. And I know John alluded to his project uh, with Erie Arts and Culture with some high school students. So we're, we're really trying to, to bring in that younger demographic, uh, teach them the importance of content creation. There are so many jobs out there, you know, available, as you guys well know, not, not just a camera operator or a producer. Um, and, and again, that, that non-sexy uh, job description is, is just as valuable and important as, as those main ones. So um, we are actually applying for some grant funding right now to install an esports studio in the back of our building. So that'll be uh, the next big step um, in terms of our renovations. Um, so ju again, just trying to focus on all forms of content and media creation. That's awesome. Let's wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about 2020 and how it's been going and we'll open it up um, to everybody from there. But, you know, you guys have, you're in like the service industry, the production industry, um, both have taken, you know, quite a hit here for a few months. So once March came around in April, um, what have you been doing uh, at Camiri, Jake? I know you guys have been working and remodeling and uh, you want to talk about some of that and then we can get into um, yeah, how things go in a pandemic and how you're coming out of it. Yeah, absolutely. So we started our renovations prior to the pandemic. So back in late December, early January, we tore down, uh, you know, the studio, we gutted that whole thing, um, gutted our, our lobby area. We really just wanted to to create a space um, that was professional looking, get away from, you know, that, you know, the funny looking cat uh, from cat TV and, and just kind of give our brand and our, our building a refresh. So, so yeah, we started that at the end of December, um, over our holiday break, we were in here painting, sanding, patching holes, everything. When we shut down in, in March, we kind of continued that we took, um, the, the foundation from our old stage and we installed a brand new stage and I learned how to install laminate flooring. So uh, we have a brand new uh, stage as well, not just that, that chroma key green screen. Uh, we have a brand new stage in our, in our uh, main production studio there. We've continued working on our podcast studio. The, the next thing, as, as you guys know, uh, we have a podcast studio right next to our HD production studio. We're going to be installing a second podcast studio in one of uh, our edit booths so that we can ha help more people create podcasts. So that's going to be coming later this year, uh, this winter. Um, but yeah, when we shut down in March, we, uh, we had to work from home for, I want to say three months. And we had one person coming in, getting the mail once a week, checking on the building, checking on things, but everything else was done, uh, done virtually over Zoom calls. Yeah. And then, um, so I know with my students, uh, you know, you guys have slowly been reopening just, just fairly recently, right? I think maybe last month or so. So we reopened um, mid-July. Oh, okay. Um, slowly uh, by appointment only. You know, we have our front door still locked. Uh, we have a screening process. As people walk in, you know, they ring the doorbell. We let them in, and then we screen them right there the front of the building. Um, but yeah, we opened in mid-July, kind of tiered. So we we had a few reservations that first week. Um, 
again, just by appointment only so that we can make sure that we only have a certain number of people um, in the building at a certain time. Um, same thing with our studio. We limited studio shoots at the time to just one person. So, you know, the on-camera talent would come in. We would kind of help facilitate that production side of things, um, you know, whether that's directing or recording or streaming. Um, and then at the beginning of August is where we really started to kind of open back up, um, I guess, more normal. And it's, it's, uh, it's really grown from there again in the past six weeks. Uh, we, we've really found, you know, when we were closed, we had a lot of people reaching out to us. Uh, so we actually installed some virtual editing software too, so people could log in to those uh, post-production booths from home um, while we were closed. But when we opened back up, you know, it, it, you know our, our members came in right away. We we knew that they were, they were jonesing to create, and and uh, it was great to see. You know, we we really enjoy the people that come in here, uh, from our community and and as a member, and and it, we've been busier than ever, to be honest with you, busier than even before the pandemic. Nice. So, what do you uh, what has changed, and what do you see changing for a while here going forward as far as production? Have have any um. Have there been any productions going on, um, you know, I guess in the last month or so outside of the studio too? Yeah. So we've been working on, um, on a lot of different projects as a staff and with some of our volunteers to help people change from an in-person event or an in-person kind of a fundraiser or things like that to a virtual event. So we were working on a, a very, very big project in the next couple of weeks is for Erie Homecoming with the Erie uh, Chamber. So we are helping them take a in-person 300-person event at the uh, convention center into a pre-recorded and live, uh, live-streamed Zoom event. So we're going to be doing that at the end of October. Um, so that's that's a huge project for us as an organization, a great partnership to have. Um, we've been doing a lot of, of side projects for nonprofits. Again, a lot of their fundraising events have been canceled for the year. Uh, so just trying to, again, pivot and, and figure out a different way to, to make that happen. Uh, because there are a lot of, you know, necessary services, necessary things that they offer in the community. And, and without those funds, you know, they, they can't do that and we can't do that. So we're really trying to continue to, to help people in any way that we can. But yeah, I would say that's the biggest thing. You can't have in-person events to that capacity anymore so how do you you know translate that to a virtual event and still make it engaging still make it interactive where people want to attend or want to you know donate to your cause so that's probably been our biggest focus you know over the past six weeks um, as an organization just really giving people you know saying that there there is a possibility to, to continue this and giving them you know those outlets on on how to make that happen so you have the capabilities to do that then I assume because um, I participate in um, the Chattanooga Film Festival, which we talked about uh, several episodes ago, but they had, it looked like they were in, like their hosts were in like a cable access um, studio kind of scenario. And yeah, they were cutting through multiple feeds of like Zoom Q&A with the host and with footage and so are you guys to the point where um, you think you'd be able to do something like that, where you can have people in a studio interacting with people over Zoom and kind of 
I, I don't know, kind of give me some examples of some things you're working on with the, with the homecoming. Yeah. So some of the things we're doing, we're pre-recording some different interviews um, from local community leaders um, so that we can have those in the bag for the live event. Um, and then we're going to be having some panel discussions live from our studio. We're going to have a moderator in the studio on our stage um, and we're going to be cutting between all of that live via Zoom. So it'll be a it'll be just like you're there at an event. You know, you're going to see panels. You're going to see different speakers. Um, you're going to hear from a lot of our community members here that are really, you know, have really been a driving force to the revitalization of Erie. Um, so, yeah, we have the capability from our main production studio to make that happen. Um, so that's it's taking a live video feed from our, our 4K cameras from the studio, integrating pre, pre-recorded and pre-produced video segments, and switching that live to a Zoom feed where you can have viewers watch and listen and interact. That's time. awesome. That's really cool. How many people do you guys have on staff now? So that's a great question. Right now we have three full-time staff members, hopefully going to be four in the next couple months. Uh, Cause as I've just explained, we are growing <laughs> rapidly. So uh, having some extra hands will be great, but we have a board of directors that volunteers. We have a lot of our, a lot of our members that, that create their own productions will help us out on a production too, um, just to kind of get their feet wet, get some hands-on experience. That's one thing that the pandemic did not allow us to do was record our summer events and festivals where a lot of our members get training and experience on. So we're really trying to find a different way for them to do that. And and these virtual uh, events are, are one way. Yeah, I would say these virtual events are where it's going to be at for the near term. So and maybe sure. longer, maybe it's going to be around for for good, you know, as a compliment. So um, I think learning those skills through you guys would be incredible. Very useful. Yeah. So we, in, in part of that event and part of some of the other events we're doing, um, there is going to be breakout sessions. So we have five podcasting bays, or I'm sorry, five editing bays where we have installed a, a microphone, a camera and a mic, or a microphone, a camera and a light. So that way you have better audio, video, uh, and light capabilities right from a, a room, you know, that's kind of segregated off um, so that you can, you can attend or host a, an event, you know, right from there. And it gives you a better experience as opposed to, you know, just kind of taking your phone out and, and holding it up and, and uh, hoping for the best. So we're trying to, yeah, again, we're trying to empower people to do, you know, to the, the best that they can in terms of the production side of things. So uh, I know we're all learning and adapting and, and again, doing our best. So anybody else, any comments on COVID and production in the future? We really need to discuss the pandemic right now. <laughs> well, no. sure. People got to make, does gotta everyone make... have their face? I, I do want to say this. Uh, and because I'm dealing with a sort of a similar situation with work and stuff like that, that, I got to give you guys credit uh, because there's a lot to be said for sort of the power of positive thinking on some level. And uh, I'm dealing with a personal situation from work where it's just like, it's a lot of no, 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 we can't do this and stuff like that instead of just trying to find some um, alternative solutions. So it's like, and I'm with Sosie a little bit, I don't necessarily want to go into a deep conversation about COVID and stuff like that because I think we've all heard it to death, but like kudos and bravo to you for being positive about it and finding workarounds and, you know, and, you know, not letting it totally derail you. So yeah, Jake, I, I think that's awesome. 
Thank you. I appreciate that. And again, the driving force for, for us as a staff and for me personally is, is really those people that come in here and are passionate and are positive. They, they know that things have been tough this year and, and are just trying to find the light at the end of the tunnel and, and make things work. And I think if we all have that same mindset, then that's the way things get better and when we get through this. So um, it, it, it obviously it hasn't been easy for any of us. And, and I think that if we can just continue that positivity, um, it's going to get better. So. I do want to say one thing, though, just a question about how stringent, I guess, are some of the production, you know, when you're, you're getting together, even with the virtual events, you know, there's still things that have to be done in person. I think maybe what Mike is hinting at but not saying is there's still a lot of hesitation to do any kind of production because of risk with COVID. So how do you think that the attitude toward COVID risk, how does that play into the positive feeling and the, the work that you're, that you're doing? How does that play into the fact that you've got a lot going on? Whereas I know part of what's going on with Mike is the fact that there is still a lot of concern about the risk Mike in dealing with a lot of production work that is not happening because <laughs> because a lot of the work that he's doing is based out of New York City. Okay. I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Right. Well, I think that we're fortunate to be in a in a county that have you know that has done a great job in dealing with this situation. Um, you know, I know that you know our numbers are getting better. It seems like every week now, um, but I, I think that you know we're still doing all of everything that we can in terms of protocols and, and CDC regulations and we're screening and taking everybody's temperature as they come in. So I think that people are getting more comfortable as they see that and as they come in and know that we're doing everything we can to make sure that they're safe. Um, in terms of working with our clients, we always try to say that up front that, you know, we, we really go through a screening process and we're really taking all these precautions that we can um, in order to make this happen. And they're appreciative of that um, because I, I hate to say this, the show must go on. In reality, you know, we're doing everything we can to safeguard ourselves. I don't know what else we can do. That's my mindset. And that's, that's I guess, me just being an optimist. But I don't know that there's a right answer for that, to be honest. That was a perfect I, answer. Yeah, <laughs> I think that is the answer. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah. The beat goes on, man. Like, creativity does not have a halting button. You can't stop that flow. So if we still have to go to work to provide for our home and pay bills, I'm sorry, I still have time to create. If I have to put on a mask, hand sanitize, Lysol spray, hey, that's just going to be the case, but I can't stop. Fact. I completely for sure. Guess. Yeah. Well said. Well, I think that's that's good to wrap on, Jake. Thanks so much for uh, being you. here yeah. and learning us uh, about the history of CAM and what you guys uh, have coming up. Definitely to all of our listeners, if if you're not familiar, please get familiar. Um, it's a great great asset for our community. Well, thank you guys for having me. It's been my pleasure. Um, we we uh, we love to speak with our members. Of course, you guys have been using our podcasting studio in the past and hope to see you back again. Um, but yeah, if, if you want to learn more information about our organization, visit our website. It's camerie.org. Uh, we're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, check us out, learn more. Uh, if you want to create, come down, check us out. We'll give you a tour and show you our resources and uh, our trainings we have available to you. 
Fantastic. Thank you, Jacob. Jacob. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. That's been our episode. To learn more about Cam Erie, to become a member, which we highly recommend, go to camerie.org. Make sure you follow us on social media. You'll find all the tags and links in the show notes for this episode. Until next time, this was Film Green.